I'll ask you to open up your Bibles with me for the next few moments uh, to the book of Galatians. A little bit different this morning. I'm a different guy. You can tell with how I hold the microphone. Uh, Galatians is where we're going to be at. Uh, a little different than your normal Christmas passage, but it is important. You know, that, that, that play that they did, uh, you know, you have Abraham, you have Adam and Eve, you have King David, the prophets, all looking forward, all looking toward Jesus Christ coming. You know, they didn't know exactly what that would look like. That's why they were so surprised when he was born in a manger, when he was born to a, a carpenter. Why wasn't he at the palace, like we talked about a couple weeks ago with Herod? That's what they were expecting. But God doesn't work with those expectations, does he? He has his own. He has his own plan. Uh, Galatians 4 tells us what that looked like. Uh, Galatians 4, verses 3 through 7, we will read it and then we will pray and we will study it together. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so that you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Let's pray. God, again, we thank you for your word. We thank you for even the encouragement of just reading the text that we can know. Uh, the truth. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness throughout the generations that we can look back and see you constantly were telling us, look forward, look forward, look forward. My son will come. A redeemer will come for you. You did not forget us in our sin. But you sent your son to die for us at the proper time. Your time. Now, thousands of years later, we can look back and know and trust. Trust your word. Trust the, the validity of history that proves that Jesus Christ did come, that he did die on the cross for our sins, that he was God. And that he is exalted forevermore. Lord, I pray that you'd be with us now as we study this passage, as we think about this idea of anticipation and the, the faithfulness of, uh, of your plan you fulfilled it and even as we look forward to the future and what you will do that you you said your son will come back for us we can trust you because you have been faithful because you've proven it we ask this in the name of jesus christ amen i love christmas uh probably my favorite day it's just a fun time uh, i was telling andrew this morning uh, my one of my favorite things. I know it's it's not spiritual, all right. But I just love watching my boys open up their presents. You know, I've only been a father for three years, uh, but those three years, every Christmas is so much fun just to see them. Even when they're really small and you have to tear it open for them, and they kind of put one finger in there, drag it across. But eventually, they get that thing open, and they're just so excited to see what's in there. Uh, it reminds me of when I was a kid. Uh, believe it or not, but I, I was not very patient. 
uh, I was always wanting to get in there. You know, uh, my parents would put all the Christmas presents under the tree, and I was the kid going around shaking everything, you know, weighing it out, seeing. I even I did put it on uh, on a weight to see how much my present weighed. Like I, I was I was that kid who was always wanting to know what's in there. Uh, a couple times I got me into trouble. Uh, of oh I found them before they were wrapped. <laughs> Do you want to know what they are, sisters? <laughs> that's, that's what I did. I had four older sisters, and uh, one one year I, I found out where all the presents were. I told. One of my sisters, what I had gotten, they were like, what did I get? And I was just like, oh, yeah, you got this and this, and Kim got this, and Kristen got that. And I just went through the list of everything. And uh, that didn't end out too well for me. Uh, but a couple years later, I was back at it. I remember uh, when I was, uh, I think I was 10 years old, and uh, 2000, uh, the year 2000, what I wanted for Christmas was uh, the gold set of Topps baseball cards. Uh, they, they had the set out there, uh, and I kept on asking. That's all I want. That's all I want. Uh, that was Ichiro Suzuki's first year. Uh, I'm, I'm from Seattle. I'm a Mariners fan. Uh, so Ichiro Suzuki's first year was in there, so I knew there was a rookie card in there, and it was going to be worth money in the future, and it kind of is. Uh, but, uh, you know, baseball cards, that kind of went down in value. But uh, I loved those. Uh, I loved baseball. I loved uh, uh, trading the cards with my friends, and that's what I wanted. And uh, that Christmas, uh, there was a present that looked like it could be it. But I wasn't sure. So what did I do? <laughs> well, I couldn't wait. The anticipation was killing me. So I unwrapped it, saw, yes, it's exactly what I wanted. 2000s full set of Topps baseball cards. I wrapped it back up, and somehow I did a good enough job that I got away with it. I told him after. <laughs> I told him after. I, I knew. Uh, but that, I loved it. I couldn't, I couldn't wait, though. I couldn't wait. I, I was looking forward to it, and it was just killing me. I just couldn't wait for that, that gift. That, that's what Christmas is uh, for the history of the, of the entire world. For thousands of years, it was anticipation. Just looking forward, and man, it's just killing us. When is the Savior going to be born? When is he going to come? As the kids got up and they were so cute, you know, you have Adam and Eve. When are we going to be saved? Well, God promised that, uh, you know, the Savior would come and he would crush the head of the snake. Abraham, he was promised that they would, uh, his family would be a blessing. Uh, and that, that's by having the Savior come through his line. And then David, uh, he was promised that his son would reign on the throne forever. Well, obviously that didn't happen, right? Not physically. So spiritually, that's going to happen. It's in Jesus. All throughout the Old Testament, throughout history, it's always been looking forward, anticipation, to that one moment, that one moment in time when Jesus Christ descended. Came from heaven, as we talked about in Philippians 2 last night. Came from heaven, put on human flesh. Anticipation, finally revealed. That's what we're going to be talking about this morning. So he starts off this passage uh, in the past. He says in verse 3, In the same way we also, when we were children. So in the past we were children. Uh, not, not now, and things are different now, but back in that time we were children. What does it mean? Well, this is speaking about, uh, you know, with Galatians, uh, we've talked about it a couple times, but it's talking about the law. 
about the law and grace and how those go together. Uh, that uh, you don't have to keep the law in order to be saved. Right? That it's different. That there's a transition point found in Jesus. That's what he says in verses 1 through 3. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different than a slave, though he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. He's giving an example, an earthly example that the Galatians could relate to. That uh, this idea of the history of the world and how salvation has worked, the law was not uh, something that saved you, but your faith in the one who gave the law. That's what saved them. And he's saying that it was like a, a school teacher or uh, even a, uh, someone, a, a tutor, who was helping them and kind of walking their hand through it until this time when they would go from children to now being adult and understanding. Right? They only had so much knowledge to work with in the Old Testament. But now, when Jesus comes, now they have grown up. Right? So when we were children, this is how we were. We were in a state of anticipation, always looking forward. Uh, when, when is the Redeemer going to come? And not just in that state of anticipation, but they were enslaved. We were not free. The world was not free. We were in servitude to something. Not... Not uh, free, but totally enslaved. We had no choice, no rights, no freedom. We were dominated by a cruel master. You know, those, those movies, documentaries, uh, even news clips of slavery around the world. We, we look at those videos and we can all together say that's terrible, right? To be enslaved to something. And we need to realize that that's what we were. Human beings, the world, uh, the worldwide race, we were all enslaved. Uh, like I said, to a cruel master. Not an earthly master, but a spiritual one. He says the elementary principles. Right, this is not speaking of, of the law per se, but rather speaking of the rudimentary religions and practices. The, the whole world, because he's talking to the Galatians. Right? Galatia was Greek. All right, so they, this is not talking about Israel as a nation, but the rest of the world. Where were they at? You know, they because Israelites, they had Yahweh, right? God had revealed himself to them. So in a way, they were, uh, they were saved, if you will. They were believers because they were worshiping Yahweh. All right, and they, he had given them the law, and they were fulfilling or trying to fulfill the law. They had faith, and that saved them. All right, but the rest of the world, where were they at? They were lost. They were enslaved to the rudimentary religions of the world. All those false gods. You know, and it's easy for us today to just say, oh, that's, how could you even do that? That's dumb. You're worshiping a rock. But when society is all saying this is what we do, it's a little bit more difficult to stand up to that. And that was the Galatians before Christ came. Enslaved to these, these rocks, these, these trees, rudimentary religions, Moloch. If you look through the Old Testament, you see all these false deities. And this is what the world worshipped. What did it involve? 
all kinds of gross, perverted sin. Even sacrificing of children. That's the rudimentary religions that the world was enslaved to. And we too, before Christ, are enslaved to those things. Enslaved to idols. Enslaved to success, for money, for happiness. Fill in the blank. Whatever your idol is, that's, that's where you are before Christ. He says, the rudimentary religions of the world. Before Christ came in that manger, we were enslaved to the worthless religions. And that's, like I said, today as well. And this has been the state of the rest of the world outside of Israel for millennia. For thousands of years. Think about that. The world totally lost outside of Israel. All those people. And they, uh, and Israel looked forward to one day. They didn't understand it. But one day when that Savior would come and bring reconciliation, not just for Israel, but for the whole world. On the back of your bulletins, you'll see gifts. Like I said, I, I love Christmas. One of my favorite things is gifts. I love giving gifts. I'm not so much of the guy, you know, I'm not, you know, taking the present, shaking it. What did I get? What did I get? And that's not really what I do today. But now I'm more of, can we give the kids the presents now? Can we just do that? Do we have to wait? That's kind of how I go with anticipation of gifts. And we have gifts, spiritually, not just physically, you know, not just from mom and dad and whoever. But we have spiritual gifts from God our Father. On the back, we're going to look at five different gifts that we have. Five different gifts. The first being spiritual freedom. Spiritual freedom is a gift we have in Christ. We're no longer enslaved. He says we were children and we were enslaved. And now we're different. Now we're under grace. No longer enslaved to the rudimentary religions of the world. No longer enslaved to idols. But now we have spiritual freedom in Christ. Well, how do we have that? You know, up, up to this point, uh, this is really uh, the constant flow uh, of letters from Paul. We have dark passages. I talk about real deep uh, hurts and pains that we have because of sin. And then there's always that turning point. Because that's not the end of the story, right? Here, you were children, you were enslaved uh, to, to idols, to sin. But something happens. Just like in Ephesians 2. You were dead in trespasses and sins, but God who is rich in mercy, right? That, that's the transition point. Here we see that again. Verse 4, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. When the fulfillment of time had come, all that anticipation. And then finally, at the right time, God changed things. The right time, not our time. I'm sure Abraham was really wanting to have that nation to be a blessing right then. I'm sure David wanted his throne to be reigning forever right then. They didn't understand. They didn't see the, the long game of it. Right? They didn't understand God's plan. 
And sometimes we don't either in our lives. Why is God letting this happen? Why doesn't he act now? Or even we can look back at our past, right, and say, all right, well, I see that God worked this out, but why didn't he work it out earlier? I've counseled people who have, who have uh, talked about their salvation and uh, they're, they're just uh, brought to tears about their sin. And they say, why didn't God save me when I was a child? They don't understand God's plan. The fulfillness of time had come. The right time. This is how God works. He does not work around our schedule or our plans or our whims, but according to his good pleasure. And like I said, this might upset us sometimes. I really needed this. Why didn't God give it to me then? Or we get a blessing today and I say, man, if I only had this a couple weeks ago or I I had this a couple years ago. Where was God when this happened? Why did I have to sin so much before Jesus saved me? God works in His timing. And His timing is perfect. Because he is perfect. So everything he does is perfection. And we can see that in our lives. And we can see it in history. Here's an example for you. Why did, why did God wait until somewhere around 4 B.C. to send his son? I'm sure that there are many reasons why God did this. But I can tell you one for sure. Right? We have God's word in front of us, right? We have it on on the the screen there. You might have it in your hands. How do you have it? Well, the New Testament, when Jesus came, was written in what? Greek. Coin Greek. That was the language of the world. Not just Israel. They had Hebrew. And they they kept good records that we can now have faithfulness and and trust in in the Old Testament and know that it is correct. Right? Know that God preserved it. But it really wasn't until the Greek Empire really changed everything. Right? When, when, that, um, when that language just swept over the world, that was the first time really that that had happened. Yes, the Persians were there and they had a well-known language, but it was difficult to translate. And it wasn't common. Even for those who were under their authority, it still wasn't common. But in the Greek world, it was. An example for us. Why did God wait until that time to send his son? Just one reason of thousands of many. I can't even imagine how many reasons God had for that. But So that we could actually have his word in front of us. So he came at the time when language was well known around the world and that they could record his words and we can trust it and that it would last. This is one of the first languages that we have that that actually lasts and we can translate and know it fully. We don't have to take guesses at it. We can know exactly what Jesus said to his disciples. We can know exactly what Paul said to the church. Just one reason of why God did what he did. He has a better plan than we do. You might think, oh, he should have acted then. But you can't see what, what, what would happen for that, the ripples that it would have. No, God is perfect. And in the fullness of time, he sent his son. 
God sent forth His Son. This is again speaking of the plan God sent in motion to rescue us from sin. It was the Father's plan. He sent Jesus. There's, there's that level of deference. We've talked about it many times now as we look at the Trinity. That the Father sends the Son and the Son obeys the Father. He listens to Him. And like we talked about last night, He learned obedience to the Father. Number two here on the back of your bulletin is Jesus is a gift we have in God. Spiritual freedom is a gift we have in Christ, and Jesus Himself is a gift we have in God. He sent forth His Son. Born of a woman. He was really human. Not some sort of human-shaped Jesus, but really 100% human. He was frail. He was weak. He felt pain. He felt sadness. He felt anger. He was tempted. You know, that's something that we just breeze over. But Jesus had an opportunity to sin. Yet, He showed us as an example of how to reject sin. He knows what we've been through. And he can relate to us. He was born of a woman, born under the law. And this again is important for us to remember. Yes, Jesus was 100% human, but he did not sin. He was under the law. He remained sinless. He kept the law. Even when people were trying to set up a trap for him, he still was perfect in his movements, perfect in his actions. He never committed a wrong act, never. For anyone who's thinking that this makes Jesus not really human, because, you know, as the phrase goes, I'm only human, right? We talk about that, that when we do something wrong, we say, oh, it's part of who I am. No, that's not part of who we are. Not who we were intended to be. Adam in the garden. He was sinless. Sure, unproven innocence. We use that term for him. But he was sinless. That's what we were intended to be. Before sin got a hold of us. Before sin corrupted us. And that's Jesus. Born of a woman. Born under the law. He was the perfect man. He's what we were intended to be, humanly speaking. Sinless. What's the purpose? Why? So that he might adopt us, be part of our adoption. Verse 5, to redeem those who were under the law, that's you and me, that's the world, under the law before Christ comes. To redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Adoption, we're taken in. All all the pain that we've been through, the hurt, uh, the being uh, enslaved to to idols, to to sin. By the way, that's what idolatry is. It's sin. And before Jesus Christ, that's who we are. But when He comes, 
born of a woman, born under the law, so that he could redeem us, to bring us back, to buy us back, so we might be adopted, so we could be family. Adopted as sons to save us. Like I said this morning, to give us those things that we've been lighting candles about, to give us joy, to give us hope, to give us peace, to give us love. That's what he did. To make us his family, adopted. Adoption is a gift we have in Christ. Number three on the back of your bulletin. Adoption is a gift we have in Christ. So we we have a different status. You've been adopted. You're no longer uh, enslaved. You're bought out of that. You are adopted. You are given a new title. Uh, If you will, it's like uh, adoption here in the real world here. All right. When you're adopted, maybe you take on the last name, right? Uh, I talked about this a couple months ago, uh, but my my youngest brother, he was adopted. Bad situation. We adopted him, and he went from having his last name. Now he's a Lentini. Right? He's he's part of the family. He's he's given a new name, a new status, if you will. He's a son. He's a brother. But it didn't just affect those things. Not just his status. Right? It affected who he was and what he did. Just like it does for us. When we've been adopted by Jesus Christ, now we have a different status. Now we have different actions. It changes who we are. Verse 6, And because you are sons, because of this, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Because we are sons, we are given this special gift. God sent the Spirit of His Son. It's important again to remember the Trinity in motion here. The Spirit of who? The Son. Level of deference there. He represents the Son, not Himself. The third person of the Trinity lives within us. He says, into our hearts. He sends Him into our hearts. He indwells us. The Holy Spirit is a gift we have in Christ. He comes into our hearts. He's within us. He will not leave us. And because, why? Because God sent him. He's not going to take him away. We don't have to pray like David. Lord, Lord, do not take your spirit away from me. He is within us. And he does something. He cries, Abba, Father. This is a representative of the prayer life that we can now have. The the conversations that we can have with God. The closeness that we can have with the Father. Why? Because we're His sons. We're His daughters. We're His family. And that Spirit is within us. So number five, prayer is a gift we have through the Holy Spirit. In all these things we see Gifts that we have in Christ. Gifts that we have from God. Gifts that we have from the Holy Spirit. And what's the point of all these gifts? I give my sons gifts for a reason. Because I want to see them smile, right? I want I want to have that joy. I want to give them joy. I want to show them how much I love them. God is the same. Why, why does He give us these gifts? It's not pointless. Verse 7, so you are no longer a slave, 
but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. To show us who we are now. Those gifts that we have. They're to show us who we are. We are changed. You are no longer a slave. You know, we, we, we see that, like I said, in movies of, of the moving, um, just beautiful picture of someone having their chains removed and being freed from that life. You know, and like I said, you see it in news clips. There's slavery around the world. And the joy that comes from being freed from that. If you believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior, that's you. That moving picture should be you. Filled with joy and thankfulness. You're freed from those chains. You, that sin that keeps weighing you down, that keeps on destroying your relationships, it doesn't have to be that way. He can set us free from that. You are no longer a slave, but rather a son. There's no closer of a relationship we can have with God. We are His children. He cares for us. He protects us. He loves us. Saved from a life of sin and its punishment, and now we have a loving family in God. And not just that. We, we have a change in status. We have a change in who we are. We, we have a, we're now sons, we're brought into the family. Uh, but just like adoption here and now, you don't stay where you're at. You get a new home as well. He says, if a son, then an heir through God. And what he's talking about is that future blessed hope. We look forward to the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what Timothy says. We have a home. We will be with Him in eternity. We have an everlasting hope all because of what? Well, because of Jesus. Because of what He did on the cross. But He would never have gone to the cross if it wasn't for that baby in a manger. If it wasn't for that virgin birth of Him being fully God. Chalcedonian theorem. Fully God. Fully man. And one person. He had to be that. He had to be born in that manger. He had to fulfill the prophecies, like we talked about with Herod, that they knew that he was born in Bethlehem. He had to fulfill all of those things that God had been revealing from the beginning. The anticipation. All the way through, he had to fulfill all of that. And it is a joy. Sometimes when you're anticipating something and it comes, it could be a little bit of a letdown, right? Like, oh, we've been waiting, we've been waiting, and this is what I get. It wasn't like that for me for Christmas, just so you're wondering. They were good presents. All right, but sometimes we get that way about Jesus. Shouldn't be the case. Look what the joy he brings us. Look at the love he offers us. It is not a letdown. Is the fulfillment of everything that he set up. From Adam and Eve to Abraham to David to the prophets through John the Baptist. And he has come. He has been born. And he is Emmanuel. 
He is God with us so that He can adopt us as sons. So we can have that close, close bond with God the Father. So we can have all these blessings, these gifts. So that Advent could be fulfilled. All that anticipation fully fulfilled. So we could remember that baby in the manger and just be thankful. That's really the take home from this. And I hope for the rest of your afternoon as you celebrate with family. You know, it's not a, here's a eight-step plan of what you can do. Just be thankful today. You know, and you're, and you're talking with your family this afternoon as you're uh, even, uh, you know, in our time here before we leave. Just be thankful. Have that at the forefront of our mind. Just being thankful for what Jesus has done for us. To bring us out of that slavery. To make us his family. And to give us all these blessings that we have. And a future home. A future blessing of being with him. And it's all because of what he did. Of that humility that he showed. Of being born in that manger. Because he's the gift. Amen? Let's pray. God, again, we thank you. We thank you for the motion or the, the plan that you set in motion, Lord. All the way at the beginning. You didn't wait. You didn't just judge us as you could have. You would have been righteous in it. But because you are loving, you said to Adam and Eve that someday it will be different. You will not have to stay in your sin, but a redeemer will come, a hero, who will crush that head of the snake, who will bring us back to you. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness, that throughout the centuries, the millennia, you have proven that your word is true. When you say something, you will do it. And Lord, even for us, 2,000 years after that baby was born, 2,000 years after that Savior died on the cross for us, we can look back now and see your faithfulness and see that it was the right time. That anticipation that the world has felt for thousands of years could be fulfilled. It could be satisfied in Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would help us to find joy and hope and peace and love in the Savior today. I ask this in Jesus' name.